Welcome to Dawn's Own, the Deeper Sense podcast. I'm Shahar Peled, your host and guide to the context of everything and the fundamental questions of being, knowledge, and reality. Welcome to the first episode of the Root of All Money podcast. Uh, an in-depth investigation of the credology of economic activity. Um, in this first episode, uh, we will introduce uh, the basic concepts that will uh, guide the series and um, meet for the first time uh, the um, deep aspects uh, of everything to do with money. So let's begin uh, with the introduction. This is... Um, the introduction to the book, The Root of All Money, that will be published once the series is complete. In fact, we will be uh, using the book uh, to guide the series and use the series to edit the book, uh, expanding on the ideas, uh, explaining things in depth, and uh, in general, getting to know um, what this thing called money is all about. So let's dive right in and uh, talk about the nature of money. Perhaps the most uh, surprising aspect of it uh, is that when we speak of money, uh, there's so many um, expressions in civilization about this uh, aspect of money. We think uh, at first that, uh, about materiality, stark materiality, because it's always to do with things, with objects, with its ability to purchase uh, things, with its ability to keep our livelihoods. Uh, it's very material. It's very realistic. It has a lot to do with reality and its manipulation by us, um, our ability to acquire things in reality. So the first thing that leaps to mind is like uh, something very material, very uh, coarse. But then when you look even a little bit closer, it's sort of fades away. It's like all smoke and mirrors, all this materiality, because it turns out that actually it's all in the mind, not just in your mind. It's in the mind of many people, because if you can't come with, um, with a coin, no, with a banknote, let me, let me find a banknote here. Um, let me have, I have some banknotes here. Uh, say we have a banknote. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know, euro or something. Let's see if I have some euro. Okay, here it is. Uh, okay, 20 euro. Okay, 20 euro. Could be a dollar, could be a shekel, could be a lever. In fact, any bill. But let's use this 20 euro. So, this bill, it's just, it's just a piece of paper. We all know this. And the only reason that when I give you this piece of paper, it will buy things is because in your mind too, this piece of paper has value that can be exchangeable with other goods. I'm stating the obvious here, but the non-obvious thing here is that it's all here. Because if this were just, for example, you know, some other bit of paper, and I would try to pay you with this, you would say, no, 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 this is not money. But what makes this money? Our belief in its value. So, it's like a collective belief. We all come together without even, without coordinating it. We all believe that this is worth something. Now, 
a euro is a strong coin. Why is it a strong coin? Because it can you can usually buy with it in places all over the world that'll accept your euro, even though the euro is not a currency. But if you get some uh, more minor currency, for example, uh, this is 10 leva. It's a Bulgarian banknote. Try paying with that in America or other places in Europe. Uh, it will be rejected forthwith, and people will look at you uh, very strangely, uh, as if you were trying to hoodwink them, should you try to pay with the lever, even if you would uh, stick to the exchange rate or something. Because in the minds of the people, the local area where you are going to pay with this banknote, this is not money. And because there is no mind picture that this is money, that re this represents currency, then they will not accept it. So, ultimately, money is a shared belief. It's an intersubjective belief. It's like many, many subjects believing together that this is worth something, then it was worth something. Where's my euro? Bring it back. Yeah, euro. Euro goes everywhere. Or oh, the, the dollar, the Yankee dollar, petrodollars. Do I have a dollar somewhere? Probably. Let's see if I can find a dollar. <coughs> Just for demonstration purposes. Yes. The mighty dollar, here we are, one dollar, pay to bear, of course, in God we trust. So it's not just in God, not just God is in the mind, but the money itself is in the mind. And this is just an external manifestation that bears the value of the money. The actual money is not something tangible. This is just a tangible externality. It's like a container that contains the value which is completely in the mind. And this is the first thing we will discuss, actually, the way in which money um, uh, mediates between the mind and external reality by means of this external form. In this case, it is a banknote. But as we know, there are many external forms, and we will... Um, Consider in a moment the many forms that money can take, but keep in mind that we have an outside form. We can uh, maybe uh, use a loan word from Hinduism, avatar. It's like the idol, which is empty until uh, the god that it represents comes into it. So, But avatar is much in use, so at first I considered using it, but now let's just stick to form or container. So the outside form is the bill. But the inner value is in the mind. It's the mind of the payer, the mind of the payee, and the general mind of the public, the consensus uh, within the area that this money is accepted. So let's now look at greater depth uh, in, in, um, into this aspect of the bridge between the external form and the inner mind that lies behind the external form. So let's de delve deeper now into uh, the, the, this double aspect of money, the external form and the inner value. And if we look closer, we see that it's not a double aspect, but actually a triple aspect. For um, money actually has three dimensions. Um, it is a derivative of an inherent human ability to assign value to things, but it's also 
a reflection of our ability to agree with other people on such value. And the, sub, the value is subjective. It's what you have in your mind when you hold like a 20 euro bill or you hold something in your, ma, in your hand that has value for you. But the price, that must be agreed by many people together. So, in fact, we have a tripartite um, division that pertains to all um, aspects of money or all forms of man money, actually. And we will see various forms in a moment. We will talk about various forms in a moment. Uh, but basically, it's the outside form is what you see. This is objective. It's what everyone sees. This can be a banknote. It can be um, a coin. It can be a piece of gold. It can be just a number on a screen, but it's objectively visible. The same we can see, say, in the supermarket, if you pay with a touch card or uh, with any other kind of electronic form, you see the number on the screen, the, the cashier sees the number on the screen, and together you see this objective number, and this is the number that uh, is being transferred as money. So there's a form, an, uh, uh, an outside objective form. This can also, in a barter economy, for example, it can take uh, the shape of things. For example, uh, if I have some object, say I have this cup, and uh, I can agree with a whole group of people that this cup uh, will come to be used as currency, then uh, I could uh, the form becomes the cup. And still the value would be whatever value is agreed, uh, is agreed in the mind. But... The, this word agreed is uh, the focal point of the third aspect of money because there's a price. The price is intersubjective because every form, and if we, we can take uh, the cup as a, an example, let's take this is, this is an objective thing, okay? It's in reality and it has a value. For example, if I am the cup uh, manufacturer, then perhaps I think the value of this cup is $1. Okay, and then I put the cup uh, in my uh, um, window, window uh, looking out of the street, and I want to sell this cup, and I put the price of one dollar on it. The one dollar is the the price um, to be um, received for this cup, which I value as one dollar. But then someone comes along. And says, no, no, this this cup, ah, dollar, really, it's a used cup. Haven't you drunk coffee from it already? So, no, 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 I'll give you half a dollar for it. Or maybe give me two cups for one dollar. So, the price is now negotiable between myself and another person. Each of us have a different subjective value for this form. So, it's the same form. The cup doesn't change, the same cup. But I may value it as one dollar. Uh, my customer may value it as half a dollar, or perhaps um, someone else can say, "Why wow, this is a very rare cup? I'll give you two dollars for it." Before I even manage to say it, just cost one dollar according to my opinion, but their opinion is two dollars. So now the price is being negotiated. We don't know the ultimate price of this would be. It could be that it would sell for 80 cents, for $1.20. We don't know ultimately what the price is. It all started from the outside form having a value for me, subjective value. And then when another person comes along, we begin to argue about the price, which is the intersubjectively agreed value. 
it's somewhere between the outside form, the, the, the actual cup, and the inside value, which is completely subjective. We have the price, which is intersubjective. So we have these three aspects of money, uh, and I haven't even spoken of money. If we go back to, um, to money itself, uh, let's talk about, uh, for example, uh, a dollar, okay? So the form is a dollar, this is objective. The value of this dollar, for me, if I, if I live, for example, in a, in a, in a dollar-making country like the U.S., would be one dollar. We all agree it's one dollar. But when you look outside the U.S., suddenly you decide, discover that the dollar itself has various prices too, agreed on. Because sometimes a dollar can sell for like two euro or half a euro or three euro. And maybe you can buy three dollars for uh, ten leva. So the dollar also has a price negotiated between uh, people in the marketplace, an intersubjective price. So currency too, just as we saw uh, when we looked at the object, has the inner value for me, and uh, in countries where this currency is uh, tender, then usually the price becomes invisible. It's like everyone agrees that this dollar is worth a dollar. And uh, economists say that this is, uh, I don't know how they call it, like an illusion, the money illusion. You have an illusion that the dollar is worth a dollar because the dollar fluctuates all the time. So most people, most naive people, who aren't in the secret of uh, uh, economists, they just, the dollar is worth a dollar. But the dollar is worth a dollar to you subjectively and maybe to many other people. But actually, there is a negotiated price for the dollar once you take all people into consideration. Once we go out into uh, the world and we meet the great petrodollars, the, the, the dollarization, whole nations are using dollars uh, for their currency alongside other currencies, and they always uh, pay for the dollar more or less in another currency. So there's always a price for the dollar. So again, we see that in currency too, there is always an objective form, an internal subjective value for me, and the intersubjective price, which could be equated with the value in certain places, but is not the same, could fluctuate. While the value is always subjective, the price is always determined by the market, by intersubjective forces. So this tripartite division of money is uh, goes across the board. So we just demolished the um, the uh, illusory par partition uh, or, or segregation that economists usually set up between barter economy, primitive economies, as it were, that only barter things one with with each other, and the currency economy where money becomes the the um, uh, coin or the, the, the item through which we exchange values. But in fact, there is no real difference between this and that. They're both the same. There's a form, there's a value, and there's a price. So we have seen this many times in war economies where cigarettes or chocolate have become money. Uh, and, and always we see that even in barter economies, there's always, I'll give you one goat and you'll give me three parakeets, but they are valuing the parakeets and the goat, each one subjectively, and then agreeing on the external price that one goat is worth three parakeets. It's the same function, the same process. 
So across the board, these are the three aspects of money. And uh, we will see uh, the many applica- uh, uh, implications of this as we proceed forward with this podcast, with this series. And uh, we will see the implications of this tripartite distribution uh, that is not mentioned in um in the regular courses of economics. In fact, most of what you will hear in this podcast is uh, quite different uh, from what you will learn in economic um, circles. And we will get to the point where we will uh, eventually critique um, mainstream economics and see uh, the ideas behind them and how some of them really distort the actual nature of money, the actual way that money works and by this distortion, it, they create many implications for actual life with money. Many um, um, distortions that create inequalities, that create um, all kinds of market conditions that are not beneficial for human beings. Uh, and, uh, okay, this is in uh, uh, additional episodes, but you should already uh, know that um, this tripartite uh, division um, will have many implications for various aspects of economic life. So it is important to see in this tripartite structure uh, the true intangibility of money. Uh, it's an elusive concept, and 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 usually uh, in the normal state of affairs, people don't really consider this ephemeral uh, nature of money. Actually, they see it as something very, very tangible because there's always something that when you discuss money, you always discuss its containers, Uh, like a piece of gold. Uh, People want to go back to gold, the gold standard. What was the gold standard? Some kind of container, an avatar, uh, a form, an external form which was golden, and people ascribed value to it. And of course, the price also fluctuates because uh, intersubjectively they argued the value of gold, but gold is no different than anything else. And uh, all these uh, people who say that fiat money, uh, money that is dictated by a government has no value, and only gold has value, this is just, you know, it's empty words, because there's no difference between a banknote just symbol printed on paper when it's accepted in faith, or a piece of gold when it's accepted on faith. And always, uh, this is an experiment that can be easily uh, made if you have a chimpanzee, the chimpanzee test. Give the chimpanzee a banknote, a piece of gold, or any other form of money. If it's not edible, no uh, response will be had from the chimpanzee. Uh, The chimpanzee will not value anything but the actual tangible banana or whatever that it uses. It does not have any inherent value attached to the um, physical object, but we do. So there's always this externality when we talk of money, uh, this form that enfolds the value. But it should be remembered that there's always an inner value and that is the actual money. It's not the external form. Just as, as if we spoke about Hinduism before, the avatars, just as uh, an idol is just an inert statue. It's nothing. There's nothing there. Unless the imputed deity is in it. Then it's believed to be the deity visiting 
incorporated in the avatar, like the indwelling spirit of the avatar. Same way is the case of money. And the external form is imbued with the value, which of course, as we saw, fluctuates uh, intersubjectively, and it could even be depleted completely of value. Uh, if the money falls, the, the um, uh, I think it was Confederate dollars that lost complete value, and we've seen many cases in wartime that uh, countries that lost the war also, their uh, currency lost all value. So it, the value is the important thing. The belief, the, the intersubjective belief that this is of value, and this is mediate, not, not mediated, it's, it clings to, it adheres to the form. It's like people can't really talk about the inner value. It's like when you meet a person, you know there's a person there and you are a person, but only by uh, speaking, by exchanging ideas, can you get at the person. It's something intangible. It's it not seen in the externality. In the same way, the form is just the outside carapace of the value. So it's only in an external form that money, money dwells. And this is uh, why uh, many people make the error of thinking that the external form is the money. Because we cannot access value directly, but only through the ownership of forms. And it is the ownership of forms and their indwelling values that is the foundation of all economic activity. Because when we uh, give someone this form, uh, let's have a dollar, a good dollar, goes everywhere, not uh, a leva, which goes in Bulgaria, pretty good, but the dollar, which goes really everywhere you can get people, even in the marketplace, the most remote marketplaces, uh, to exchange uh, things for a dollar. So this dollar, uh, this is a form that can be transferred to anyone because anyone or everyone believes it's that there is a value to it. The indwelling value of the dollar uh, is very widespread because many people would accept the dollar as valuable. So intersubjectively, this becomes a global currency because everywhere you go, people will be willing to exchange value for the value in the form of the dollar, value indwelling in some other form for the form of the dollar. And we will look uh, close, more closely at the many forms that um, have value uh, and which can be exchanged for the form of the dollar, incorporating the value of a dollar. So actually by exchanging one form for another form, we copy or transfer the ownership of the indwelling values. So I'll be speaking uh, about ownership and it, its important um, uh, place in the definition of money and the function of money. This is the actual function of money is associated with ownership. But at this point, the important thing is to see how each form incorporates a value and that it is the value that is being transferred using myriad forms. In this regard, the difference between a traditional economy, a barter economy, a modern economy, um, as regards money, is all about form. And the forms um, embodying values change according to the consensus of the community of the faithful, 
faithful, i.e. the people who believe in the value of that money, of that form, uh, the community of the faithful in which these forms are used. And uh, one famous economist, Hayek, noted uh, about the various forms of money, we find a continuum in which objects of various degrees of liquidity shade into each other in the degree to which they function as money. Uh, he discovered this in the world. Uh, okay, he was going uh, against the, the accepted dogma that there is a, a world of difference between liquid money with currency and the barter economy. Uh, an economy with liquid money and an economy with barter. Uh, and so he was trying to make sense of it. And he said it's just a continuum from the uh, shapes that are more tangible to uh, less tangible. But in fact, value is closed in many forms and may be held in an endless variety of forms, such as cigarettes in prison camps. Uh, we mentioned banknotes, collectibles, credit cards, etc on paper and on coins, in ledgers and in databases. Money is at its most effective and productive when it is inscribed, when you write down uh, how much it is worth. And indeed, you will see that all banknotes uh, have a prominent place for the number. Ten. One. We write the, the, the value, the inscribed value. Twenty. Twenty. Twenty euro. Um, and this is very similar to language. Just as language connects people and mediates between them, giving external form to the inner ideas, inner concepts in the mind, uh, the very fabric uh, of our communal life as people, as human beings, is woven by these external manifestations of some inner values. So money, too, is a shared belief I believe shared today by all of humanity with its various currencies that are all interchangeable, shared by everyone uh, regarding our most basic contributions to each other. We value our work, we value our produce, we value various things, and we exchange them using various mediums of exchange that all have this tripartite structure of outside form, inner value, and uh, negotiated intersubjective price. So, um, ultimately, um, we can transcend this classic um, distinction between various forms of economies, uh, sort of evolutionary idea uh, that uh, there is a world of difference between this form of money and modern forms of money. I mean, this by like, um, I don't know, a butter of cowrie shells. And uh, or butter of a goat for uh, parakeets that we mentioned, and the modern form of um, um, fiat money that is completely intangible, just numbers on a screen, uh, and people are always wondering about it. Like, ah, oh, there's no the money has lost its value, and they're blaming this. But this is completely off the mark. This idea of going back to the gold standard—it's so ridiculous. Excuse me if you're one of those who believe it, but listen, listen, look deeply and you will see that there's nothing to make gold any more uh, of value than uh, just a bit of paper or just a number on a screen. It's all in the mind of the believers, of a community of believers. And that's the main point here. Okay, so this is for now in our next uh, episode. Uh, uh, I'll be discussing ownership as the root of what money does, 
ownership and its transfer uh, and its and its and the holding of it uh, as the very function of what this tripartite thing, this form, value, price, actually does for us as uh, human beings. You are invited to join me in further episodes of Dawn's On for insights, epiphanies, and the sheer joy of understanding.